0: Welcome, everyone, to the Cardano Effect podcast, episode 62. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. So Rick and myself are the hosts of the Cardano Effect podcast today. We have a very special guest. I'm going to make this as short as possible because we have a lot of questions in store today. I want to remind everyone that I receive a lot of questions about what people can do to support this project. One thing you can do is subscribe to the Cardano Effect podcast. Our podcast is growing. The SEO is increasing and we're trying to be as visible to every single crypto community out there. And when people are interested in the Cardano project in the future, this is a perfect place for them to get more information. So we have a very, very, very special guest today. So I want to give the financial disclaimer. None of what we say on this podcast is financial advice. Remember, you are your best financial advisor. And if you don't think you are, you need to find someone who's qualified to do so. So without further ado, Rick and I are in the same time zones right now. How are you doing this morning? What's going on? What's happening, Rick?
1: Hey, I'm doing great, Philippe. We do have a special guest today. We have Mr. Nathan Kaiser, and I'll be introducing him shortly. I would like to give a shout out to IOHK for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you very much, IOHK, for supporting this podcast. I'd also like to remind viewers that this podcast is available on all major audio streaming apps and services. So if you want to listen to this podcast while you're working out or driving in your car, it's a great place to uh, reach out and get the pod- get a hold of the podcast. So I'd like to move on to our special guest. Chairperson of the Cardano Foundation and General Counsel of IOHK, Mr. Nathan Kaiser, is with us today. And our viewers, you see pictures of him from all over the world in the media. He's all over the planet. Nathan, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Where are you dialing in from and how's it going?
2: Thanks, Ricks. Uh Thanks, Philip, uh, for having me. It's really a great honor to be on your podcast. And I, I've listened to, to many of them but now I'm on it, which is uh, really special, I have to say. I'm dialing in from a snowstorm. I'm in, uh, in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts. Everything is closed. Uh, everything is shut down. There's uh, a couple of inches of snow. So I'm in a hotel, very makeshift, but I'm here. I hear you. You hear me. We're all set.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. We're all set up. And Nathan, I'm very glad you came on the podcast. And one of the first things we like to do is figure out let's get to know Nathan Kaiser. Who's Nathan Kaiser? Like, uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Where are you a citizen from? And where are you at now? So uh, let's start off with where are you originally from? What country? Right. Uh, So I get
2: that question a lot now because, as you say, I'm like sort of uh, some people call me the uh, mystery, international man of mystery. And uh, I grew up in, in what I call cow country. It's really cow country. I grew up next to two farms in Switzerland, very countryside. Uh, literally, when I was a kid, I would walk over to the farm and see how they would, back then, just like still uh, milk the cows with hands and then it switched to machines. I uh, sort of did this, did that, uh, spent some time in France, spent some time in uh, different places, spent a year in the US when I was a senior at high school in Pennsylvania. After passing the bar, I moved to Asia and spent 20 years in in greater China. So that was really uh, between Taipei, Beijing, Hong Kong, and and a lot of time in Shanghai. And now I'm here in Cambridge. So I'm hitting the U.S. again, and it's good to be here.
1: Excellent. And you speak five different languages. What's your primary language? Well,
2: my mother tongue is Swiss German, which is sort of the oral uh, language you speak in Switzerland, in the uh, part of uh, Switzerland I grew up with. I think five. It depends on how we count, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm comfortable in a couple. Let's put it that way. I'm comfortable in French, English, uh, Mandarin, and, and German, obviously.
0: Excellent. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for that introduction. So we're going to move into some of the more granular stuff of what's going on with the Cardano Foundation. So for all those that are just tuning into the podcast, or are not familiar with how Cardano works, there are three entities that comprise this project. It's IOHK, EMURGO, and the Cardano Foundation. We see IOHK and EMURGO working on the development of the code, making sure that staking is going forward, smart contracts are moving forward. But the purpose of the Cardano Foundation is this community aspect of Cardano. So the purpose of today's podcast, well, I want the viewers, the listeners to get from this podcast is the role that Cardano Foundation plays in this project. So can you tell us a little bit more about maybe the structure of the Cardano Foundation and what the mission statement is? Right, uh, so uh, when you say granular, let's do the granular stuff. For the
2: very granular response that I give to that question that I, I get at every single meetup, I always give the lazy answer, which is, which is go on our website, look up our website, and we will give the five missions Right there, no—that's that's the lazy answer. But I think the uh, the less lazy answer, but also the more difficult one, is the foundation is here to grow the Cardano project and to uh, increase adoption. That's basically the overall mission statement. Now, what does adoption mean? That's where it gets really granular and difficult. Uh, adoption means uh, it means means a lot of things, and, and we're also grappling with the definition of this. Adoption means people use it though and then what does people mean people can mean single people single individuals but it can also mean companies small companies it can mean developers so there's the developer community there is a, a holder community there's a staking community there is a stake pool community which is now very recent with our with our uh, staking testnet uh, and then there is an adoption community for for use cases, and use cases is a rabbit hole you know, that, that becomes very large. Use cases, yeah, one of the main use cases of what we call a cryptocurrency, is uh, payments, storage of value. That's a big use case, and uh, so adoption uh, through the th- through that uh, use, and then other use cases that we see is really identity management, is uh, supply chain. Uh, is, uh, uh, related to identity management. It's maybe KYC solutions and so on. And so adoption also means that, uh, the Cardano protocol is used for these. Obviously, part of what I just said will require, uh, our, our next era, which is Gogan, uh, on which IOHK is, uh, very busy, uh, coding with. And, and, and then we'll see, Yeah. Uh, so we're also it's sort of in parallel doing everything. You know? That's also part of. That complicated answer, what does Cardano do? What does the Cardano Foundation do? What does Emerga do? What does IHB do? Is Well, we do a lot of stuff at the same time. You know, we we, we finished the current uh, shell area, we need to implement that, we're doing this. And then we're going to do Gogan and in parallel, we're looking at use cases in order to, to further adoption.
1: Awesome what keeps you busy on a day to day basis? I've seen um, videos and photos of you everywhere, like at meetups, at speaking engagements, attending the different types of meetings out there in the crypto world. And uh, is it tea and crumpets with the royalty? Do you got to go in the courtroom? You know, what keeps Nathan Kaiser busy every day? What's the day to day grind?
2: Well, let me answer the the day to day grind first, and then I'll get to the uh, see Nathan everywhere. So the day-to-day grind is is really a, a real mix. It's a very really it's a it's a real mix. Meaning, it's everything from community, uh, social networks. Uh, you deal with the with the online community, and when I say uh, we, it means we. It doesn't mean I. It means we have our uh, community managers and so on, the staff. It's dealing with HR. It's dealing with finances. It's dealing with management. It's dealing with outreach to these uh, what we call stakeholders. So that's not the stake in staking, but stakeholders, and uh, that means companies, small and big. That means uh, the the ecosystem. No, I think that's a, the, the term ecosystem is important. So managing the ecosystem, which obviously includes also governmental agencies, uh, both small and big countries and small and big agencies. Uh, that's the daily grind. It's it's truly a grind to the second part where you say, uh, well, you see Nathan everywhere. So that's that's largely just, uh, uh, I wouldn't say cheating, but the trick is that when I travel, I will post. When I don't travel, I won't post. So that gives everybody the impression I'm traveling all the time, but it's true. I am taking about two flights a week uh, in average. Uh, I, I try to make the, the trips short and concise and, and busy with a dense schedule. And, uh, and then I'm back home again. I got two kids. I got a wife. and They need their attention as well.
0: I wanted to touch on one of the tenants on the Cardano Foundation website, and it's the SHAPE legislation and commercial standards. And as a U.S. citizen, we're both U.S. citizens here. Um, there's There's a lot of gray area in cryptocurrency as far as when legislation is going to move cryptocurrency forward. So I'm assuming, do you have bespoke solutions for each country that you're handling these legislation or these commercial standards? Are you, are, do you have a s- certain strategy for maybe the Europe or the Americas or Asia when you are trying to push the project forward or push cryptocurrency forward in general?
2: Right, I think you,
0: you just uh, you just framed it
2: absolutely correctly in the latter uh, part. No, it's really pushed cryptocurrencies and crypto and blockchain and DLT as an overall. No? The the uh, as I have said repeatedly, and I'll say it again. I'm glad to say this that uh, this is not about a single project, but this is about the changing changing the world with a new technology. And and so the uh, if if you want to say the adversary in a way. Is the whole entire current system and you can't do that as one company or one protocol or one project so uh, this is the the, the whole industry the crypto industry uh, where we're all actually friendly very friendly competitors with with, uh, regular exchange and us teaming up together uh, for these lobbying and shaping legislation efforts so that's why uh, both, uh, actually all three of us, uh, IOHK, EMERCO, and the Cardano Foundation have each joined various trade associations, chambers, lobbying efforts to join efforts with, with others in the space and others can mean, uh, again, what I call ecosystem can mean exchanges that can mean, uh, payment service providers that can mean, uh, coding think tanks, uh, and 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 obviously even banks that uh few banks that say that we want to we want to be part of the next thing and uh also and that's important are the protocols though. so we team up with our protocols because we share uh our worries and concerns and we share our interests and maybe maybe a very good uh example is is staking you know, uh uh proof of stake versus proof of work uh where i personally have have set up for for longer than a year, proof of work works. And we see that with Bitcoin and that's great, but is it gonna be here in a hundred years? No, it's not, no, we know it's not. It's proof of stake, that's gonna it's gonna be the next solution. And, uh, and, and that's sort of, I always compare uh, proof of work with the uh, IC, the internal composition engine, which works. You no know, cars run by, by fuel work, but they're not gonna be a thing of the future. So, in Proof of Stake, there is the uh, Proof of Stake Alliance, as an example, uh, which is a US based uh, uh, sort of a lobbying and, and, and industry effort to address specific uh, worries and, and, and issues we have,
0: uh, or the protocols have, with regard to US legislation, as, a, as an example. Yeah. And uh, switching over to the facilitating partnerships tab of the Cardano Foundation. So we see that the Cardano Foundation has teamed up with a couple of companies. I believe Cody, uh, there's Confidio, there's, um, um, I, I see Quantarol. I'm not sure if the uh, Cardano Foundation is responsible for that. But this is more of a general question when you are seeking out pe- partnerships. Does the Cardano Foundation act as more of a venture capitalist firm when they are looking for companies to build solutions on Cardano? Or is it more like these companies are coming after the Cardano foundation are coming to you because they see what Cardano can offer or will offer in the future.
2: Right. Let me just, just say one thing first. I'm very happy Philip that you do uh, you are on our website because that's what I, I said to everybody, you know, please check our website. It really helps. So it's uh, just that being said, um, right. So building relationships and partnerships or facilitating partnerships uh, is a broad, is a broad term. And so, within the three entities, we have constant discussions on, on what this means and who built Swap, to what effect, and under and what title. And um, basically, there is a, this is a whole kind of worms. One is that you can't partner up with every single company that has an interest. Now, there are so many startups, uh, small and bigger ones, and so many uh, companies that say, oh, we want to do something with Cardano. And so the triage uh, is extremely important because it's a capacity and resource problem. And when I say capacity and resource problem, that goes for both, for all three of us, IOHK, America, and the Cardano Foundation. So the first not to crack is really the triage and say what is worth pursuing because every pursuit uh, takes, takes up resources, management resources, and ultimately time and money. Yeah. Um, so the second knot that we crack on an on on almost daily basis, or probably really on a daily basis, is who does what? And, and uh, you mentioned, I think, investment. So clearly, uh, Emergo is, is what you would call the investment arm that invests into companies, and that's what they do. And uh, with IOHK and, uh, and the Cardano Foundation within the Cardano ecosystem, that's not what we do by, by, by default. And the, uh, actually within the Cardano Foundation, uh, legally speaking, it's pretty tricky business to invest as a foundation into, into a private company. And there's ways of, of doing this if it's, uh, necessary and appropriate. And, and we're also building up that capacity, which requires tricky corporate structures and, and the appropriate licenses to do everything in a very transparent and above the board uh, above the board fashion. And we're doing that, but even drilling even more down what the cardano foundation does it is really it facilitates the partnership so we talk to a lot of people and then we do that triage and we do filter out what's worth it or what we deem is is possibly worth it and uh, and we maintain that uh, that uh, relationship and that discussion and finally take a decision of oh here we could do something we then depending on what the case is and there is The the scope is very broad of, of what a partnership can mean. That can mean you do something for me, or I do something for you, or he does something for her, and so on, or the money flows that way, this way, or no money flows at all because it's maybe not necessary that money flows. And so what we do is with a specific project, we will then, depending on what it is, shoot it to IOHK and say, sorry, guys, this is not really something for us. Maybe you can do something with it. Or you shoot it to Emergo and say, Emergo, guys, this is, they're looking for money. They're looking for investment. That's, that's, that's uh, up your sleeve. Uh, please do k- take care of it. And then again, they will do the same thing. They will again do the triage and say, uh, yeah, we're going to move this forward or not. And, you know, more often than not, actually also, they will come back and say, no, this is not really something for us. But please, the Cardano Foundation having a broader scope, can you maintain the relationship? Because maybe, uh, you know, for example, Goken, the smart contract layer is not ready. So we can't really move forward with project XYZ. But can you please maintain the relationship on a, on a friendly basis? And then that's what we'll do at the Cardano
1: Foundation. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I can imagine based on your description between the Mergo Cardano Foundation and IOHK, there is certain areas where there's overlap. And so you got to kind of manage that overlap and say, oh, this is, this isn't, they came to us, but they need to go to you and then you pass it over. And so wh- what do you find, I, I really like Philippe's question there. What do you find happens more often than not? Is it Do people come to Cardano to join with Cardano or do you have to reach out to them or is it a combination of both? It works both ways. What happens most often? combination of both?
2: That's probably one of the easiest answers on this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know,
1: Nathan, the good thing about answering these questions on the podcast is thousands of people are going to see it. So if, when you answer it on here, a lot more people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It makes a lot
2: more, yeah. It's a more efficient way <laughs> yeah. of broadcasting that. So this, the,
1: it is. Yeah. The,
2: the simple answer is really that uh, more often than not, they come to us, uh, but it also requires much more triage. And then for specific, really strategic uh, partnerships. We reach out to to other players uh, and stakeholders.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. With like uh, with getting Utoroi on the, on the App Store, that's Emergo would reach out to Apple in the App Store and say, "Hey, we need to get this loaded on there." So that's one way. That's just an example. But you're dealing with a lot bigger picture with establishing new partnerships and then figuring out which ones are the best the way you described it as cheap triage
2: right i say, uh, i think when you say bigger picture is really uh, i don't want to overstate that and and uh, i don't think it's 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 good for people to think that we're like some, some, uh, wise guys with white beards in the clouds. And we're doing in a very big picture. We're doing that too. And we're trying to do that, but much of it is fairly, uh, trivial and it's just work of calling people and talking with them and meeting with them and having coffee. And it's actually not so glorious. No, it's sort of like this hotel room. It is what it is now. And, and, and that's good. That's <laughs> good. So it, I, I wouldn't overstate that very big picture. We try to have that, but it's also just emails and phone calls and coffees. No?
1: Nathan, I'm, I'm glad to see you working in the trenches because I thought you were that wise guy in the clouds with the gray beard. Knowing <laughs> <laughs> <insult. laughs> so.
0: That's interesting. I'm glad to see that all three entities are working together. It streamlines efficiency and makes sure that the project is sustainable over years. So moving to this idea of sustainability, one of the pillars is ensuring stakeholder accountability. And I wonder... Especially if you look at IOHK, you look at the Cardano roadmap, that brought a lot of people to this project. The idea that the goals are clearly defined and that there's 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 an end goal for this project, whether that be smart contracts or staking, whatever you're looking forward to, or governance. Are you running the Cardano Foundation like a sustainable business that's going to exist in five, 10 years? Is there an idea that's There's going to be revenue that's generated by the Cardano Foundation and it's going to sustain itself for a long period of time. Or is this more of like more of like a an entity that exists for a certain period of time just to help Cardano off its feet and then it's kind of dissipates? Or are we going to see the Cardano Foundation exist in five, 10 years, or 15 years, or 20 years?
1: Indefinitely. Indefinitely.
0: Right. I think uh, that's a very we we have these discussions internally, and I've had that
2: question obviously before. So I think there's many uh, parts of an answer. So first of all, obviously, the, uh, a big uh, meaning or, or, or interest of the foundation is the chaperoning effect for the next few years. And we need to make sure we can do that. But in addition, it's correct that uh, with protocols, uh, in, in our Cardano protocol, uh, being subject to change indefinitely in the future, uh, we, do, we also do see an indefinite mission for the foundation in the future. And here it, it gets a bit more complicated, no? because once uh, what you call the Cardano protocol and the, the product, uh, everything the treasury, uh, governance and so on, staking, is implemented, there will be a Cardano improvement pro- proposal or Cardano improvement proposal protocol that will allow people to vote and allocate resources ultimately on DAP. And, and that uh, arguably would actually uh, say like, oh, we don't need the foundation anymore because there is already a process that's on chain that allows for the, uh, you know, never ending improvement of the Cortana protocol. So that's one uh, answer. On the other side, uh, when you look at our mission statements, again, and, uh, on our website, uh, we do think that there is a use case or a, a, a raison d'être for, for, the, for the foundation to continue for a lot longer time. So how do we do that? We have a definite or a finite amount of funding and we are now looking at what we would call, uh, different people call it different things. You can call it a commercial strategy. You could call it a sustainability strategy where uh, in, in whatever way is possible, the foundation will have revenues or generate revenues that will uh, enable the foundation to live on beyond its current means. That's no easy task, no. And and notably again for legal reasons, but also for commercial reasons. Because I give you an example, uh, a very good example when stake uh, pooling or now with staking and stake pooling, a question I was asked probably once a day for two months was, is the Cardano Foundation gonna run its own stake pool? And and that's a and it came so many times, and it's like oh, I already answered this 65 times, but I'm going to answer it again. And now I have the benefit of your podcast. Thanks, Philip. And, uh, and thanks, Rick. Um, to, to broaden that message is that the Cardano Foundation is exactly not running a stake pool. We're exactly doing the opposite. We're enabling others to run their stake pools. We don't want to take away the oxygen of the community and the ecosystem. We want to enable the ecosystem and provide the oxygen for it to grow. So the Cardano foundation cannot run its own stake pool. And that's not a proper way of, for example, you know, call it a spade a spade, making money. So we need to find other things that does enable the ecosystem and generate some revenues for a long-term sustainability strategy that uh, is, is makes the ecosystem grow and not make it smaller. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that answer, because that helped answer one of the Reddit questions that we're going to get to later. There was a Reddit question about the Cardano Foundation operating as a DAO. And it was, it's also a very common question people ask and say, Does, is the Cardano Foundation going to run a pool? They also ask, is Emergo an IOHK? And I would like to add to what Nathan said, You know, as far as Emergo and IOHK, I certainly hope they run a pool. There's a lot of ADA and we need it to secure the blockchain. So if they can run a pool and make some money off of it, go for it. That's the whole point. That's why we're doing this. And that's really nice to know the Cardano Foundation plans on not running the pool yet, but enabling the pool operators because there's a lot of pool operators out there putting in a whole lot of time. So thank you for that, Nathan. I really appreciate it. And uh, I w- I'd like to pass the mic back over to Philippe. Philippe, you're doing great with these questions from, you know, the pillars. And thank you, Nathan, for answering these. We do have two questions. Can I hit on the easy one and the hard, the easy one, Philippe? Go, go for it. Two things Philippe and I always ask is how did you first learn of cardano and what is the craziest thing like you, that you've ever done so if before we go back to the pillars <laughs> you, okay so nathan how, how did you first learn of cardano what did you learn about it what was your first contact
2: right the first contact was probably four years ago and i, I uh, wouldn't really be able to pinpoint that down in time when that, when i was in hong kong and i'm still a hong kong resident and iohk uh, Approached me be, uh, because there, w- there was a, a need for, for legal advice on, in Hong Kong. And it was simply, I always said it as a joke, but it's not really a joke. It was simply you no know, other lawyer back, back in the days in Hong Kong who could correctly spell Bitcoin. And I kind of could correctly spell Bitcoin. So that was my initial contact. It's not hard to spell, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, so this first meeting with IOHK, was it some dark seedy guy in the back alley wearing a trench coat? Or was this like, uh, did you meet like Charles and Jeremy? <laughs> no,
2: you know what? That's, that, that is what's called decentralization and in the internet. No, it is the crypto world. I didn't meet the guys for like, I don't know, a year or two. I never met anybody, nobody. I never saw a, I never saw a single soul uh, for at least a year or two. Yeah, that's the internet.
1: It was yeah. the dark seedy guy in the trip. <laughs> <laughs> the other question is uh, Have you ever been to prison? Or what's the craziest thing you ever did? Which one? Have you ever been to prison? No? <laughs> we asked that because we had John O'Connor on earlier in the
0: podcast, and he was telling us this story about how he was traveling intra country in Africa, and uh, I guess he had too much currency on hand, and they threw him in prison. So, they threw him in prison. Yeah, so <laughs> that's why we ask our guests that.
2: So I, I happened to be in prison a, a couple times, or almost—I would say—many times. It's just that I was there <laughs> as a lawyer, so that kind of helped. Um, and and probably in that respect, the craziest story—I've I've, one of the craziest stories—and I've I've had a couple because if you're a lawyer in Asia, it's sort of like it's a gift that keeps giving. <laughs> um, but I, I recently told that story to my uh, one of my two sons is that. We were uh, contacted uh, I was in Taipei we were contacted by uh, some lawyers in Geneva Switzerland and there was a Taiwanese uh, diamond uh, theft that, uh, a, a lady that stole a thief a, a diamond thief a lady that stole diamonds off a uh, Geneva diamond trader and we knew that she took the plane to Taipei and and, uh, and so we set up uh, we heard from the from the sort of embassy um, uh, yeah, no, from the uh, scene. There's like a scene. Like diamond traders is like a, a universe of its own. It's very strange. So they explained to me that there are ripples in the diamond universe. And you're like, what does that mean? What does ripples in the diamond universe mean? And they mean like the diamond industry is so tight and it's so private and under the radar. If somebody asks to sell a diamond that's just a bit bigger than the average average uh, size, it ripples, the information ripples. And so there were ripples in the diamond universe in Taipei that somebody was trying to sell diamonds. So we knew that was her. And then I went to my wife and I said, what we need is a fake buyer uh, of, the, of the diamonds. And my wife uh, was in the fashion industry, so she knew some uh, rich older lady. And she contacted that rich older lady and uh, said, you know what, could you be a fake diamond buyer? And the rich older lady was like, she was like psyched. She loved it. You no, know? it was like the excitement of her life. <laughs> and, uh, and so she uh, presented herself at some diamond, uh, actually another lady. So they're all ladies. It's all women. It's interesting. Uh, at a diamond trade and said, oh, I'm looking for really big diamonds. And uh, and the thief took the bait. You know? So the thief, the trader went to the thief or the thief went to the trader. And then we set up that uh, initial viewing of the diamonds and uh, we worked with a local uh, Taipei City police, and we had surrounded the building, but we didn't really have a good picture. We only had an old picture of her, a passport picture, but we didn't really have a good picture uh, of her, of, of the thief, uh, of what she looked like right now. And so uh, the, uh, the the thief goes up, it meets the fake buyer uh, with the real trader. Everything is set up. We're downstairs, and we just. Although there was a setup with, with phone calls and coordination, we just didn't know who it was. We only heard, oh, she left, the thief left. And then, so we're on, on busy Taipei, you know, it was lunchtime, very busy streets, very hustling and bustling. And And we hear, like, she went down the elevator, but we couldn't see her. And there's like all these uh, uh, police uh, in uh, you know that uh, don't wear uniforms now. When they're like, uh, oh my god, yeah, we can't see, you, we can't see. You. And I'm turning around and I see that one lady getting into a car, and I'm the non-police guy. I'm the lawyer, you no. Know, I was pretty young back then. I was like, you know what? I think I think I saw her, you no. Know? And I'm just next to the, the to the to the commander of the, the police chief. You no, know? I'm like, I think that's her. Yeah, I think you maybe want to look that way, you no. Know? And then everybody goes and, it, and it's her, no? And we grabbed her just when she was gonna go into the car with her like 20 years younger boyfriend. It was all unreal, no. And we grabbed her and he, she had the diamonds on her in like bags and stuff. And uh and she was grabbed, like in a movie, we drove to the police station, and in the parking lot of the police station, everything filled with video cameras. She would like, you know, spread out uh, her her belongings, or the police would help her to spread them out, and it was just all these diamonds and like these like jewelry, and it was just insane, you know? So that much for my story, and I did visit her in prison because we wanted to get more information out of her. <laughs> that's
1: crazy. That's awesome, man. You know, I thought the life of a lawyer would be kind of boring, but that's more like James Bond kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, everybody, people give lawyers a hard time. You know, but you know, I there's only two times I ever need a lawyer, and oh my gosh, I really needed a lawyer. So, <laughs> I appreciate the law work because I'm not, I don't steal diamonds, but yeah, I'm into <laughs> <the> blockchain. <laughs> Diamonds on the blockchain, <laughs> that'd be great.
2: <laughs> there is such a thing. Uh, that's a thing. Diamonds on the blockchain, look it up. Yeah, oh, cool, yeah. man. It's, awesome. it's, by the way, one of the main use cases. So that's uh, identity and IoT. So identity, I'm going to make a little bracket here. Identity can mean identity management of individuals. So that's the three of us. But identity also means identity of physical objects. So that's IoT. And, and diamonds on the blockchain is something we're looking at. And, and that's an actual thing.
0: Yeah. Wow. Cool. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for sharing. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. That's cool.
0: I wanted to shift over to something that we were talking about before. Um, You said that when you first got involved with the Cardano project, it's very decentralized. So you didn't meet the main guys until maybe a year later. So how does the Cardano Foundation work? I know you guys are based in Zug, Switzerland. And uh, I, I think you have between 20 and 30 employees. I just checked on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but is it very decentralized as to the distribution of the Cardano Foundation employees or are most people based in Zug or um, how, how does it work? How does it work? How does information travel through the Cardano Foundation?
2: Uh, the count I saw yesterday, and, and, and that changes almost every day uh, in, in a good way, is 21 employees. So 21. Okay. Uh, uh, when we started, the, the new council started in January, we were sort of four-ish. But well, there were four-ish, and, and now we're twenty-one. So we actually—it's uh, a multiple of five. Yeah, within one less than one year. Um, how does it work? Uh, there's two answers. Uh, one is that uh, you always need a physical office. It's just—it's just, it's just uh, every uh, company will tell you the same thing. You need—you need an office for for efficiency purposes, and that's uh, even why why hotels have meeting rooms. You no, know? people need to meet physically, and there needs to be a location that's a go-to location for meetings. And that goes for the most decentralized uh, companies. Uh and, and and by the way, I'm, I'm going to make a little breakout here. When you look at Apple, uh, and Apple being the biggest company on earth and 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 kind of knowing what they're doing, they build a physical location. And, and I think they know why they built it. And, and the same goes for Google now. So they're decentralized. They got decentralized in the sense of they got companies all over the world. They got you know two hundred countries and territories, but you still need an office, uh, and, and so that's one answer. And and the way maybe I can deep dive here a little bit. Uh, while the registered office is in Zug, uh, we're now looking at the fact is that most people live in and around Zurich, and, and most action is in and around Zurich because it's the economic capital of Switzerland. Uh, 20, 25 minutes out of Zug, so we're also looking into into sort of having. One or two uh, places, and ultimately maybe only at one places uh, for as a physical space. We're still working on that. Um, so um, the other the other answer is well, it's an internet. It's the internet, stupid. No? So uh, we 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 use Slack. We use uh, the forum. We use uh, uh, Asana. We use uh, we use obviously uh, everything that's email and G Suite and and the whole the whole the whole nine yards that we use in a modern. Uh, internet company, uh, we use WhatsApp. We use we use everything. You know? The truth is, our our community is so broad that uh, if you if you try to push the idea that you only install two out of four uh, messenger apps on your phone, then at the Cardano Foundation, you're you're wrong. You know? That's not you need to have everything. So we uh, we have Telegram, Signal, and and we use that for different audiences and even internally. You no, know, it's uh, even internally you have to use everything. And that's messy, and that's not always efficient. But the one ring that rules them all, like everybody's trying to build that ring and find that ring, but it it just doesn't exist. So uh, that being said, next to all the chats and the emails, uh, I think a very important tool, and that's more of a personal remark, is you need to call each other. You need to talk to each other on the phone live. It's much more efficient uh, with or without video it's much more efficient to actually uh, discuss stuff and and, and chatting back and forth is ultimately to, to manage projects. It's, it's inefficient. So people need to talk. And, and that's the other thing, uh, what I just said before, people need to see each other and have these coffees that goes both uh, internal and external and a beer, occasionally a beer.
1: I agree with you 100%. Voice communication is extremely important because you can have a dialogue that goes back and forth and create a better understanding. Whereas if you have written communication, although it's nice to have a written record, it's kind of like this line stands on its own, then this line stands on its own, and then you go, what was the real meaning behind this? Instead of like a thousand different lines of text, you know, what was the point? So. What's the biggest challenge with that, having that huge decentralized? Is it the communications or is it mission accomplishment? I know Philippe's going through the pillars, but what's the <laughs> most difficult part to manage? Getting everybody on the same page? Uh, right. You're like, oh my God. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's,
2: uh, no, absolutely.
1: So um, I think it's, let me, let me start
2: at, at something I've said many times. And, and, and again, thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, people often talk about the leading, the, excuse me, the bleeding edge, you know? And what I always say internally and externally is that uh, here at Cardano, we're actually at the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge. And that's different. That's, That's qualitatively, again, different. The internet, many internet companies are at bleeding edge, but if you do a cryptocurrency, if you do a protocol, if you do a decentralized protocol, 3.0, you're at the bleeding edge of the, of the bleeding edge. What does that mean? That means you cannot have a set strategy. You don't have a strategy, you don't have a map. If you say you have a map, you're making up, you're lying though. Know? So it's, it's, we're all, we need to be all humble being at the bleeding edge is messy, you No, know? it's messy. And that's, that's like discovery of the Americas. No, it's not like somebody in Portugal took a ship or in Spain took a ship and say, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to sail like this and like this and that this, and then it will be America. And we're going to settle down and build cities. No, it was messy though. Know? And there's collateral damage, There's wrong, wrong decisions and so on. And that's just how it is. You no, know? it's, it's, it's uh, maybe here. I wouldn't say it's a feature, Uh, Another bug, but it's just the way it is. If you're at the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge. So, uh, when you say, uh, getting every, everybody uh, on one page, that's something we struggle with. But here I say it's a feature, another bug. It's we can't get everybody absolutely on the same page because that's what decentralization is all about. And that's what the three entities are about. The three entities and the way they interact. And and I have been asked many times the question what's the legal relationship, what's the contract between Emergo and Iohk, and between Iohk and the Foundation is there's no contract. There is no rigid uh uh legal uh clothing that ties everything together in, in very tight knots, and there shouldn't be, that's the feature now. It should wobble and it has wobbled and it wobbles because it allows uh, the, the three entities to take up slack where one doesn't work. And I think Charles has said that himself. So this is a feature, not a bug. And the fact that things overlap and they move and they, they pull and they, they, they drag, that's by design. You know? And, and so we can't get everybody on the same page because we have different opinions, different functions, different risks, assess- risk assessment, different degrees of risk averseness or, or risk friendliness. And so uh, you can try to steer that, but you need to iterate. You need to be agile, not just in programming, but in the overall project.
1: You know, I like the way you describe that because early on there was a very there was a rigid roadmap that had a whole timeline because that's what people want to see. They want to see what does the future look like, and and it got wrecked. I mean, and that's fine. It got wrecked, but I like your description because it's a lot more accurate of reality. Is there's flexibility built into the creation of a a cryptocurrency that currently does not exist, and it's still under creation. How can you roadmap that? I like the current roadmap, which is a lot more broad. It gives a general schedule, a general idea of what what we're trying to achieve. You got the vision of what you're trying to achieve, but you can't spell out every letter. And there's people out there on on Telegram, they want you to spell out the letter and the date and the time and exactly what's going to happen. It's impossible. Can't do it. If you if you're looking
2: for safety and security and and clarity and 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 all that, and you're in crypto, you're probably in the wrong space. And (laughs) and I have said that to uh, to to, and then you can turn it the other way around. No, and I've had that discussion with bankers. They say like, oh my god, crypto is so insecure and unclear and and no clear roadmaps and untested waters. No, and then I say, so should we have bought like you know blue chip stocks? like G or, 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 or Lehman Brothers stocks, no? How did that go, no? So if you go back and you go to the old industries and, and buy or uh, stocks that worked well while it worked, and then it didn't. So yeah, if you're in for security, maybe try gold after all, or stay with the US dollar, but don't get into crypto. It's the wrong space.
1: Yes, not financial advice. <laughs> no,
2: no, I'm, I agree no, with you. I'm, no, no! I'm not. You're right. No, I'm actually. I'm not even talking about like buying. Uh, I'm not even talking. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, you're right. Sorry. you're
1: talking about risk. No, I'm
2: talking even like then it, it become a gold trader. No, I'm talking about building. Yeah. I'm not. I'll never. Everybody knows um, this is not, this is not even that this is not financial advice. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. Yeah. If you want to No, get we, into, we do
1: that all the time. Yeah. Every if time you, we, every time there's a statement made like that, we, we repeat, okay. no financial advice. Yeah. No. Right. So that's I like a going yeah, joke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's a going that's joke yeah. that we do. Yeah. Awesome, every time. Awesome. Because awesome. people <laughs> yeah. ask us yeah. questions, we'll say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the answer is blah, blah, blah. Not financial advice. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I love it. Don't do what I do. You're going to get wrecked. Not financial advice. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, building on what Philippe, Philippe was touching on the pillars, let's ask a really tough question that's kind of lingering out there. Let's give it your best shot because you're a lawyer and you're really good at this stuff. All right. The really tough question that lingers out there is you wear two hats. You're both the general counsel of IOHK and you're also the chairperson of the Cardano Foundation. And you had mentioned that at some point you know the contract renewal and who's it with it's kind of, it's vague because it's vague by design so when it comes time for the contract renewal with IOHk how do you manage that or how would you deconflict uh, your roles I- in both organizations would you have to pick one side manage from there or how's that going to work
2: Right. It's a, it's a good question. It's, it's sort of medium tough and, and then it's not, no. So, uh, again, like the, the contract, I think there's a misunderstanding there. And I've, I've addressed that before. It's the, the Cardano foundation is not the, uh, the, uh, contractual party to IOHK. No? So, and, and I think even the term renewal, uh, i that's actually, I have to admit, Rick, that's the first time I hear anybody saying that. So I'm not sure where that comes from, but there is no renewal, uh, Necessary in place. I think the the idea is that uh, IOHK completes Cardano, and then we'll take it from there. Actually, that's where the treasury comes in, and that's where where the uh, governance comes in, and our, our finals final zeros and the staking. Where actually, then the uh, the there will be a voting uh, from the holders and the stakers. And that vote will be on the Cardano Improvement along that procedure that we will call or we already call the Cardano Improvement Protocol. And then they will decide on what needs to be done with Cardano in the future after Cardano 2020. And they will allocate uh, or make a decision on the allocation of resources, resources meaning money. And then IOHK uh, can be voted on or, or can elect or, or can uh, propose itself to be the one entity uh, doing that next uh, iteration of of Cardano. So that will be sort of the contract renewal is more going to be like step by step, uh, like the Bitcoin improvement proposal, obviously. Uh, And then there will be step by step and piece by piece. And that's how we're going to move that beautiful Cardano protocol forward in the future. And again, uh, indefinitely because uh, the tech doesn't stop and, and life doesn't stop and, and, and cryptocurrencies won't stop and the development of
1: Cardano will not stop. That's fantastic. Thank you, Nathan. That's an incredible answer. So, Yeah. So when Voltaire is complete, it will be uh, so fulfilling. It'll just take care of itself. Outstanding. All right. Uh, so continue with the Pillars Flipper. Do we want to hop over to Reddit?
0: Let's hop over to Reddit because we're towards the end of the podcast. So let's try to get through some of the questions. If we can try maybe a rapid fire so we can get to as many questions as possible.
1: Yeah. And some of them have been answered too. Go for it, Philippe. What do you got, buddy?
0: Yes. Um, okay. Can you set the first question? I think um, I need to log back into this tab. I don't know why. Okay.
1: So I'm back onto Reddit and I'm sorted by best starting from the top. And the first one comes from, partly answered, comes from one of our popular Reddit users, Singverse. We, I think we all know who Singverse is. And Sing asked, hey, Nathan, a couple of questions. In an interview, you talked about how the Cardano Foundation can potentially be run as a DAO in the future. Can you please please elaborate that and the ultimate vision for CF? And is CF planning to run a stake pool? Both of those kind of been answered. Nathan, is there anything you want to add to the um, how the Cardano Foundation can potentially be run as a DAO?
2: I love it because I actually did not say down that word and it was on my lips. And it was like, oh, should I get into it? But it's another rabbit hole. So thanks a lot Savers for, for, for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. So now we're getting into the, I would actually call that the not yet uh, discovered bleeding edge of the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge. No? So downs are, uh, I've said that publicly and I, I am standing up to my opinion, Downs are nowhere, uh, when it comes to our knowledge in the crypto universe on how to build a DAO, manage a DAO, use a DAO, and deal with a DAO. And and we, we know that much now. We're, we're little kids now T- toying with something that could be, uh, and that we think could be very, very, very uh, revolutionary. And so my answer is that yes, one line of thought is that the DAO will replace the foundation. And the foundation will, will, will chaperone that DAO into being. And if and when the DAO works, and that's very early to say whether that's even possible, I think it's too early to say, there could be that use case where you say, oh, wait, it's the year 2929 and uh, the DAO works, and the community is happy with how it works, and the tech is there, and the underpinnings of a working DAO are there. And then the use of a entity called the foundation actually is, uh, is, is, is longer there. And then the, uh, foundation would actually dissolve itself and, 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 merge with the DAO and the DAO would take over the foundation. It is just really too early to say that. Yeah? And as long as that DAO doesn't work, and we all know DAO's You know, I mean, I I say that, it's my personal opinion, DAOs don't work yet. Now we have like bits and pieces and trial and error and fixes and ugly fixes and less ugly fixes, but mostly ugly fixes. As long as it doesn't work, we do need that, that centralized aspect that's called a foundation or an entity subject to a law of one country. And that's what the foundation is today.
0: That was a great response.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that, Nathan. And as far as a DAO decentralized autonomous organization, if anybody wants to look up more information on that, check out the Saturn network. There's works. So, I mean, as far as mechanically or mechanically code wise. So check that out if you have more interest. So, and also thank you to Reddit user Singverse for putting that out there. Philippe, you want to take the next one?
0: Yeah, sounds good. And I'd also like to add that we talked about DAOs when we had the Saturn Network people on on a previous Cardano Effect podcast. So you can go ahead and check that catalog for that episode if you want to learn more. The next user is Minister C Politics. This is a multi-part question. So the first question is, is the chairman position a full-time paid job? Uh, Second question is, how's your day-to-day, which was answered earlier. Third question, what was your biggest challenge taking over and what did surprise you about the old foundation decision it says, thanks, love your speaking style. Let's do one by one, because I think I already forgot the second one. Okay. So The first one is, is, no,
2: it's a part-time paid position. And then the second one was what?
0: The second one was, well, how's your day-to-day was already answered. What was your biggest challenge taking over?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I could write books about that one.
0: I think, you
2: know, truth told, the biggest challenge was to 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 take over because we had to uh, replace the the, the previous uh, let's call it management or chairperson. That was the real challenge. I would almost say that once the new council was on 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 board, because we've done so much prior work of you know checklists and what to do and 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 so on, that once uh, in in end of December. Uh, 2018 once this was done we could simply just start working and that was you know it then you just do it and that was sort of simpler it was the it was the year 2018 that was hard the year 2019 was was just normal work and action and just doing it you know, nike
1: okay
0: <laughs> i like that okay so i think that's it um minister c politics thanks you for your reddit question Rick, I'm going to pass it over to you for the next Reddit question.
1: The next Reddit question kind of flows in from the previous one where Man Dodds asks, Hi, Nathan. I really like how you've picked up the baton and are running with it. It's good to see some positive action from the foundation. I have two questions. Can the foundation start supporting meetups with covering the costs of space, etc.? Meetups are an essential part of the growing awareness, and we can't expect Cardano supporters to cover these costs out of their pocket. And the second question is, before we get to Gogwin in 2020, can you commit to paying yourself and staff in ADA? Is, <laughs> it is always reassuring to see projects put their money where their mouth is. And the second question is really cool because the Cody uh, agreement and the ADA pay just came out. But question one is supporting the meetups. Now, I know if you've attended them, but uh, they're talking about the financial support on the cost.
2: Right. Let's pick one after the other. So the meetups, uh, that's a great question. And I think that there might be some sort of misunderstanding there, but we do cover pizza and beer for meetups. And we should have somewhere a form that, uh, that makes it easier for meetup organizers to actually request a meetup financial support. So there is a financial support for meetups. When it comes to additional costs, I think are are we're fairly flexible, and uh, the forum should allow that as well. And and if it doesn't yet, then and then please send a, post something on the forum, or, or or send an email to the foundation. Um, but we do encourage meetups, and the idea is, is totally not that that uh, people or organizers uh, cover that, that out of their own pockets. And we do have a lot of meetups going on. There's more to that. The meetups, I think, the, the question and, and the comment to the question is really very correct. Meetups are key; you know? they're absolutely key. These meetings are absolutely key, and um, and so we want to simplify that process. And we're working on this also on an iterative basis, so we can always improve. Everything is just a work in progress, and. Um, I'm thinking we're also uh, uh, making our calendar and event calendaring more uh, convenient so you can actually find the meetups, not just hold one, but find one. We're working on this. This is work in progress. Um, Yeah, but absolutely. We also want to, there's bits and pieces, like for example, we want to allow for easier access to, to video uh, support for read uh, if it's in, in, in bigger cities. So also a piece that we're working on. Obviously, quickly on the on the other side, and that maybe shows a bit the tension of being uh, uh, on the council is we can also, uh, we also cannot just send money because somebody says, I'll do a meetup, please send money. You know? And that's, I think that's fairly easy to say. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, uh, and if, if there's a meetup and we we pay money and there's a really big room and then three people come because three people came, then we can't we can't support that either. And, and the community will not appreciate us paying money to, to a meetup with three people, you know, the three guys yeah, that know each other went for a beer. So it, it it shows that the actual implementation of these things get really tricky. You know, it's it's it looks easier first, and you realize, oh wait, I may have ten friends and we all go for a beer. We call it a meetup and Cardano will will pay for the beers. That also cannot be it. So it's a bit trickier than that. But yeah, we're working on it. Now, of course, I managed to forget the second question because I think that was the first one.
1: Okay, well, that was a good answer to the first question. So basically, if I'm I'm an anonymous user and my avatar is a picture of a cat and ask you for money, you're not going (laughs) to give me money. I totally get that. I completely (laughs) agree with that. Okay, but what we will do- Let me
2: stop you right there. (laughs) The question of anonymous users uh, has been discussed within the foundation for for the whole year and the past year as well. And it's very tricky. And one single answer is that we do have a, we share an understanding uh, at the foundation that there is a need and interest in use case for anonymous users and anonymous community managers. So we actually support anonymous users and anonymous community managers. And if an anonymous person came to us to organize a meetup, we would actually not say we don't support that. So it's, you see how tricky it gets when you go down the
1: rabbit hole? Yeah. it's Yeah, yeah. You got a lot of rabbit holes to deal with. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I don't envy you one bit. I do not envy your position. Okay, yeah. So what we will do is we'll get links down below for the payment form for meetups. They'll be in the description. And the link to find the meetups. Okay, and that'll help with Manny Lee Dad's question. Thank you, Manny Lee. The second question was: uh, Before we get to Goguen in 2020, can you commit to paying yourself and your staff in Ada? Oh, right, yeah, yeah,
2: right, yeah. Okay, so oh my God, that this is a this is a good one too. There are many answers to this, um, and first answer is. In order to be able to pay in ADA, we need to have the underpinnings and the, the, uh, actually the technological underpinnings that enable an easy administration within a, let's call it a company, although a foundation is not a company, but within an entity to administer ADA payments. And that's, that's not easy. Everybody knows that we can't just have, let's say, a, uh, admin person at the foundation to have access of the wallet for all gazillion adas that the foundation holds and then we send her an email and say send some ada to that address no that's not how it works so we have been really busy and that took a substantial amount of time and, and resources to implement a custody solution with uh, the swiss entity uh, called crypto custody uh, limited and you can look that up on the internet and they have exactly these sort of tools that have a uh, um, handheld terminals. So that's a piece of hardware. Uh, and then there's a cryptographic uh, custody management that's fairly complicated and fairly secure. There are, uh, there are, uh, IC cards, there are PIN codes, there are, uh, t- protocols and payment and workflows and workflows for confirmation and testing and so on. And we've implemented that, which sort of like, let's say by now or by today, Uh, does allow us to make secure, uh, manageable, uh, and auditable payments in ADA. That's only the first partial uh, answer now. The second uh, answer is, do people actually want to be paid in ADA? Oh my God, then it gets very complicated because the easy answer to that is no. People don't necessarily want to be paid in ADA because they need to pay their bills in fiat. And if you work for the Cardano Foundation, you actually want to get in the currency, uh, you want to get paid in the currency that you need to pay the phone with. Um, and, and so you see it gets trickier and trickier. And we are thinking of making payments in ADA on purpose uh, for smaller amounts and smaller, uh, smaller contributions. So for example, the meetup guys, that doesn't work. Why would we pay the... The, the, why we would we reimburse the US dollar meetup costs for a beer in San Francisco in ADA and then force the meetup organizer to, to it, 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 it doesn't make sense. No. But um, for other smaller parts, so for the ambassadors and, and specific uh, smaller uh, services provi- provided, we are absolutely looking in paying that in ADA. Although again with the caveat, what if people don't want it? And then we need to make two different payments—one through the banking system and one through the Ada uh, crypto custody system. How do you how do you minister that if it's let's say one to two hundred payments a month? Big questions, no easy answer.
1: It's probably a lot of work, but you know, I'd take the Ada. That's just me. <laughs> I'll take the VIA and converting data. No. You know, but I do got to hand it to you, Nathan. You got a tough job because you know everyone knows Carano Foundation sitting on a bag of like six hundred eighty million ADA. It's on a blockchain. It's like number three on the list, and uh, Nathan has to defend that. You know, he's not a big giant bag of money where or a pinata where you just beat on the pinata and this money comes flying out. He's got to make sure that ADA is going to the right place. So again, I don't envy your position. You know, sitting on a bit a bag that big and having to figure out, okay, what do we do with this? You know, most efficiently. For in the best interest of the community. I imagine that might keep you awake at night sometimes because that's a lot. It's a big responsibility. That is
0: a tough okay. one. That is a tough one. It is. That was a good question. That was a good question. A lot of responsibility.
1: Thanks, Manly Dad. All right. And thank you, Nathan, so much. Uh, Philippe, a few more and we're ready to wrap.
0: Yes, yes. Let's uh, speed through these questions. So this one is from ADS CPA. Is getting ADA listed on a US-based exchange a priority for the Cardano Foundation? I feel like getting listed on Coinbase or Gemini would follow under the driving adoption of Cardano and facilitating partnerships. I'd like to add that uh, Bittrex, it's on Bittrex, and um, I heard that it might be on Binance US. So you can, US customers do have the ability. So on Kraken, you can buy
1: direct with Fiat. and Kraken. You can buy direct with Fiat.
0: I guess the question was more for Coinbase, and uh, I don't know if you want to answer that. If not, we can answer that because we've answered that countless times before. We can have
2: competing answers. How about that? No, but I think that the answer is simple. Uh, listing on major exchanges is always a priority. Yeah. I think that's as easy as that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Okay. What, what's your answer?
0: Well, we always say that we're going to get added to Coinbase once we hit our Shelly mainnet. Once once it's truly decentralized, the platform is truly decentralized, then the talks with Coinbase can, can start again. Because one of the... Um, when you look at their... There are guidelines to how a cryptocurrency is added to Coinbase. That is one of the guidelines. And we haven't hit that milestone yet. So for us to even be considered, we have to make sure that we check off all the check marks for Coinbase. And then, you know, maybe sometime next year, maybe a little bit after that. But I'm sure the talks are going on and I'm sure that both parties are aware of each other.
1: Yeah. It won't get listed on Coinbase while it's federated. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. Next question. All right. Tony from Shoshone. Tony from Shoshone. Yes. Howdy, Nathan. I really appreciate all your hard work and dedication to the Cardano project and the foundation support of the 2019 YO Hackathon. As you know, Wyoming has been creating blockchain friendly laws along with Germany and for the last couple of years and has a few more in the pipeline for 2020. Globally, what do you see as the biggest legal hurdles or obstacles that hinder the wide-scale adoption of Cardano? Great question. What are the biggest obstacles, Nathan? Right. Again,
2: I, I uh, immediately, the first partial answer is it's not the biggest obstacle for Cardano. It's the biggest obstacle for, for crypto so it's really, it, everybody is uh, falling into the same hat or category. Um, so the biggest obstacle is always legal insecurity. That's the, if, if there's a legal obstacle and the big obstacle, it's the legal insecurity, a lack of legal security, so that people and companies don't know what to expect and don't know what the future will bring. So uh, if there's one thing we want, it's it's legal security. And, and Maybe a, a very interesting case to, to explain that is, is the bit license in New York. When the bit license came, it was sort of deemed a disaster and everybody left and, and it was like, oh my God, it was like the you know, overreaction and overregulation. And arguably it was. It was an overreaction. It wasn't mature. It wasn't thought through. It was overregulated. It was too tedious and everybody did leave. But and then there's a big but no? now now um, how old is the bit license three years maybe four no uh, three four years later what happens is that New York is still New York and there are bit licensed uh, licensed companies out there that are massive and they went through the tedious procedure and it was tedious and it cost money it was it was lengthy and it was. It slow things down. down, But now the companies have to bid license and they're good to go and they know what they're, uh, where they're at and where they will be. So even a a license regime that goes too far and is too tedious and makes everybody leave, in the long term, it's a good thing because people at least know what to do and we have a thriving cryptocurrency business and uh, thriving cryptocurrency businesses operating out of New York. So, um, Yeah, lack of regulation and lack of clarity, that's an obstacle.
0: Thank you, Tony from Shoshone. That was a great question and great response from Nathan. We're going to move on to the next question. Let's try to knock out a couple more, Rick. I don't know if we're going to get to all of them. But uh, the next question is from Velvia 695. Will the Cardano Foundation pick up the ADA debit card project again?
2: I, I want to make a just. I want to just quickly say thanks, Rick, and good hearing from you. I kind of forgot to say that. Um, right. So for the debit card, uh, the debit card is a is a good one. That's an oldie but a goodie, like many of these questions. And we're in talk with. Adam. It, it's more than the fingers on my hand uh, of different debit card projects. And um, and that that is really uh It's a really good question because what happens is people talk about this. Some people talk about this. And some people ask for this, but the truth is we have talked with all these uh, companies and we're in talk, constant talk with all these companies. There is not really a demand. That's not a popular thing to say, but actually people in the, in the aggregate don't really want these debit cards. Some people say we want to see the debit cards, but nobody really wants the debit card for him or herself. Uh, and so this is a this now becomes immediately that that triage and allocation resource problem is like, should we do things just so we uh, say we did it and it looks good on not on paper, but on the internet, but there's no demand? Or is that something that we say, oh, wait, it, the reality doesn't want that. And, and by the way, for many reasons, why don't people, I mean, we can drill down that, you know, the eighth rabbit hole here. Why don't people want to have debit cards? Because people don't want to pay in crypto because they hope the price increases. No investment advice.
0: And you see, (laughs)
2: and and so they don't want to spend their crypto. They don't want to spend their crypto. It's just not. You don't pay your pizza in crypto because if you pay your pizza in crypto, who are you going to be? You're going to be that guy that paid twenty or forty million. Uh, in U.S. dollars for a pizza, and everybody's laughing at you for the next twenty years. No investment advice.
1: We call him <laughs> like Bitcoin it. Jesus. <laughs> I like you got to have that guy. I like That's it. probably us right now. We do. Com- we did competitions like to build this podcast. Where where what were the prize? It was like two thousand some ADA. Yes. Okay. Ten years from now, I'm going to be crying, going, "Oh my gosh, you can buy a Lambo with two thousand <laughs> ADA." <laughs> It's a risk you take, but at least we know because Bitcoin Jesus made that sacrifice and two pizzas. So we <laughs> No done. investment advice. Yeah, no investment advice. Exactly. Not not financial advice. <laughs> not no financial, financial advice. <laughs> it could all go to zero. Yeah. Not financial advice. Yeah. Oh, the next question, I'll, I'll throw this one out there, but then I gotta kind of correct it. We do need to get down to Merrick Mayhut's question also. MM Mayhut down below. Uh, Oracle had a question. Oracle, thank you. You're a very common asker there on Reddit. And we appreciate your inputs. And uh, Oracle asks, Nathan, are you grateful towards the Cardano Effect hosts for being partially responsible in making this distinguished position available for you? That's the question. And just for the record, Philippe and I don't make the news; we only report the news. I just coincidentally happened to be a former Guardian, and we reported the news. I'm sure there was a legal bloodbath going yeah. on in the background that we were not aware of, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that was the case. That's
0: a terse statement. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's uh, completely accurate. So,
1: <laughs> but it's a, yeah, but yeah, it's a fair. If people think that, then it's good to address it and say, okay, so what do we think? So it's fair enough. We just report the news. We didn't make the news. Fair, fair enough. Is that a good answer?
2: I, I think my answer would have been it. It was truly a team effort. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you, Oracle Triple Three Triple Five. Uh, we always see you um, asking questions on on all for all of our guests, and we appreciate you. So next question from College Board One One Two Three. Big proponent of Cardano here. Congrats to the team thus far, and thanks for this community podcast. The hosts are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, I have missed this elsewhere, but I had a few questions about future regulatory conditions and the steps Cardano is making to ensure its place as a future leader in the cryptocurrency space. The first question is, is Cardano working with any U.S. regulators to make sure that they are compliant with the government? Um, And I think they're referring to taxes and payment-wise. And uh, the second question is, what about the rest of the world and regulations? So the first question is about U.S. regulation and the second question is about the rest of the world regulation. We, we briefly touched on this in the beginning of the podcast, but if you wanted to add anything, uh, be my guest.
2: Right, again, so we're obviously dealing with lawyers, we're dealing with compliance firms, we're dealing with think tanks I uh, uh, myself at the Berkman Klein Center at Harding University, dealing just with that, with, with crypto and uh, And within these uh, different conversations, we're also dealing with uh, government agencies and regulators in in many ways, you know, be from coffee to phone calls to emails to to everything. So yes, the answer is yes, of course, we're in that space yeah, yeah. And, and then when it comes to international efforts, it's sort of the same and and, and here again, uh, the, the, the really the key a uh, tool is really uh, is really concerted efforts within the crypto industry. It's not it's not one uh, protocol reaching out to one regulator that's going to change anything. Uh, if if anything, you'll have contradictory messages, uh, which will lead to exactly nothing whatsoever. So you need to you need to unify the voice. Yeah, and that's uh, we're we're part of that of that play, and and, and we want to be part of of the good guys uh, helping everybody else to move the space forward and, and have the tiny slice of the pie that's like you know hardly a degree make bigger so it becomes the big pie, yeah. yeah. We need to make the pie bigger and not just get our slice bigger, yeah.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. I'm glad we have an experienced lawyer on the team. Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you, College Board, uh, for that one. We appreciate it. Next one was from uh, Regan Dunnigan. He said, thank you for the hard work, Nathan, for your hard work and dedication to the project. He would like to ask if there have been any high-level discussions around using the Cardano network as a backbone for multiple industries outside of just finance. And you touched on that earlier with the diamond industry and other things that we just learned about. So is there anything you'd like to add? Any Anything outside of finance, identity management, diamond, and anything? Well, the easy answer is
2: absolutely yes. Totally super yes. I mean, uh, again... You, Diamonds is one thing, and, and we're not far there, but uh, we're, we're further with uh, supply chain, which is outside finance. And, and by the way, you know, finance plays into everything. Everything is also this is a financial component. But supply chain, IoT uh, means identity of physical objects and identity of individuals. We're we're trying to to be a player in all of these, and, and we have ongoing projects and discussions and and and. and yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: yes, yes. Okay, yeah, that's good. And you gave examples of like medical data security. So that's good. And you're looking, I guess you're looking at all those angles. All right, Philippe, you want the next one from Merrick Mayhut?
0: All right, MMA Hut, it's uh, hello, Nathan. Given CF is not planning on running their own staking pools, I would like to ask if CF is planning on distributing its stake also across community staking pools, non IOHK and Amerco pools. Oh, that's a good one.
2: Oh, that's a good one. I love that one. We're actually just discussing this, and and uh, and there's different uh, different ways. Uh, we haven't really taken a decision yet. We'll, we'll most likely piggyback on on IOHK stake pool for for simplicity, yeah, and to to again allocation of resources if we have to spread that between uh, you know the, the 50 plus staking pools that we hear of or stake pools that we hear of uh we don't really know yet how to do this, so for the test net at least we're piggybacking on IOHK and then and then we'll take it from there. And there's there's an equity issue here, now, and, and we can't just say we'll pick one out of the fifty pools and then the others are like, why didn't you pick us? And and how would you make you see and that's a rabbit hole number seventeen, no, how how would you pick and, and make the parameters transparent to say we pick these and those based on money only, but what about security based on security only, but what about money and so on and so on. So, oh, big, uh, big questions, tough one, yeah. Yeah. but a good one.
1: Yeah. 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 It is. Yep. We just got to be alert to the archetype called success to the successful. That is a archetype that may occur. So we'll look at that further in a different podcast. We'll talk about it on this Saturday's live stream. Sounds good. And make sure people understand what that means. All right. Thank you for the answer there, Nathan. And from Merrick, we appreciate your questions. The next one was from J. Russo and he asked, does the Cardano Foundation plan to release any working products on the Cardano blockchain? For example, Sizer from Mergo or Atala from IOHK? And who would win a- <laughs> Who would win in a boxing match between you and Parsons? Okay, don't worry about that uh, So <laughs> is there a product... <laughs> Thank you, Jay Rusa Ada, for that question. Let's stick to the one that says: Does the Cardano Foundation plan to release working products on the blockchain?
2: Okay, that, okay, that's an easy one. Uh, the, the answer is no, absolutely not. No, we, we that's the same as the state pools. Like we're not going to release our own. We're going to help others release, and we're going to be involved in enabling others to release. But we're not going to release something on our own. We we don't want to be a competitor. To all the, our, our precious, precious uh, developer community out there, uh, we want to enable them to not be a competitor with them. It wouldn't be the right thing. Yeah. Sounds good.
1: Okay, got it. So, Emergo and HK, the main product developers, business developers, engineering facility. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you, okay. Jay Russo, for the question. Philippe, almost done. Okay.
0: Um, this one is from JM Cow. Uh, this says, could you explain what process will the Cardano Foundation follow for bringing new members to the board before and after the Voltaire era?
2: We're actually working on this and, and, and we're actually uh, uh, expanding the council as we speak. And I think that will be news uh, in the next two, three days or even today possibly. And, uh, and that's our next step. And, and then there will be a next step after next step. But we're working on this. Yep.
1: Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Let's see. Could you please exp- uh, explain the process of Cardano? Okay, you got that one, the yeah. board members. Oh, I think the reason people ask that question is, is people often ask, when are you going to get like Japanese people on the Cardano Foundation Council? When are you going to get people from Africa, from you know countries aside from the who you have now? I think that's where the core of the question comes from. Can you expand on that a little? Is there a plan to uh, bring members of- other from Asia and uh, Africa onto the board, South America. Uh, right, so it's
2: it's a council, it's not the board. No, so there's uh, the different ways of thinking about that, and, and we're we're exactly uh, doing this right now. Uh, one possible way is to say that the council will be regulate and uh, will be relegated to a, a supervision role only, and will install a proper board of directors that's going to be operational and, and would have all these, uh, this broad diversity and also a higher number of people. Uh, obviously we can't have 20 people on, 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 such a new board of directors because, uh, it's not more people, the better. That's a crowd, uh, stupidity instead of crowd wisdom, um, or wisdom of the crowd. Um, so, so one way is to say that the council is just doing supervision and we have, uh, in, installed a proper board of directors. That's, that's diverse. And, and there's many different ways of doing this. So that would be sort of a, a dual board uh, structure like you have in uh, uh, in Germany and, and many other places. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, like members of the council from different countries. I think they're just looking for representation is how, is how I've, I've heard it framed before. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of like, because people people ask these kind of questions, like the staking question was probably related to people were thinking, oh, well, if you, you got all those big bags of ADA, why don't you stake them out to all the other pools? You know that's Because if the Cardano Foundation stakes all their ADA back to IOHK, people are going to be like, well, wait a second, what about me? You know, So that's a tough thing to manage. Same thing with the boards. you got to manage the boards, and people want to see representation from different um, geographical and, and cultural uh, representation on the council or the board or whichever it's called. Yeah, or, right. or both, the council and the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nuanced
0: though, Rick. So there are, I mean, I understand those concerns from the community, but Nathan was bringing up some solid concerns as well. Uh, Delegating to community pools, choosing which one is going to, you're going to delegate your funds to. And, you know, why not this one? Why this one? Why this percentage? Why that percentage? It's, it's a lot more convoluted than I initially thought. So thanks for bringing up those points, Nathan.
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: Just a few left. Yeah. We have three more questions. Rick, you want to get the next one?
1: Yes. This is from Mystical Writer. That was, how has the global legal landscape for cryptocurrency changed in the past two years? And what are the most promising initiatives and developments you see happening today? Uh, so let's start. What, that's good. What is uh, the biggest change in the past two years? Uh, sorry, on a regulatory basis, was that? or uh, The global legal landscape. Yeah. So the regulatory right. base. Yeah. Well, arguably,
2: nothing has changed. No? And, and that's probably a bad thing. Uh, uh, and, and when you look at the US uh, outside of the BitLicense, arguably, no major laws have have really been changed or or, or, or so. So, so not much has really changed. There is more clarity and understand. The one change that did take place is that regulators and, and governance and and law enforcement better understands crypto. So, I, I would call that a change. And that's a good thing, but on a on a on a regulatory basis in the sense of laws and, and regulations, not much has changed, unfortunately. But there's a better there's a better grasp, uh grasp of of by regulators and government authorities of of what crypto does and does not, and that's a good thing. So that has changed, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it some last week on Germany. Big change there, where they made it very crypto friendly.
2: Right. So, so you have bits and pieces. Now you have Switzerland, you have Germany, you have New York. But that you know that's, that's three countries now, or three jurisdictions. Let's call it that. And uh, and even in, in Germany, uh, I think the German laws are 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 out there now. We'll see what it does. But uh, actual implementation matters. And, and let let's see let's see. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's see.
1: It takes yeah. time. Yeah. It takes time. Change Management by Ken Blanchard it takes 20 years to affect change. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years. Cool.
0: All right. Thank you, Mystical Writer. The next question is from Vitus. What is triggered as Cardano Foundation planning for 2020? I I don't understand how that question's worded. Is that, is that a typo, Rick? Am I reading it correctly? I'm not... What is triggered as Cardano Foundation planning for
1: 2020? I think the question is, what is the plan for 2020? (laughs) (laughs) Right. What's what's the plan for 2020? (laughs) Okay.
2: Right. So the plan, we do have an internal, we used to call it roadmap, and then we had to change it because there's the Cardano roadmap. So the Cardano Foundation roadmap versus the Cardano roadmap, that was a bit confusing. So I think now we call it the master plan, and we have that document, and it's long, and 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 we're now internally discussing uh, the, the sort of like detailed master plan for the next year. And, uh, and that's going to be putting into writing a lot of the work that's already been done this year, uh, into, into actions. And here I come back again. You no, know, if you want to have like that super clear, call it roadmap and not roadmap or master plan and triggers and so on then it, it probably isn't the, the right thing because uh, everything changes every two months. And we know that. No? We, if you're in the crypto space, like every two months, is like, oh my God, I never thought this would happen. It's like, oh my God, I never thought that would happen. And then it happens and, and then you need to deal with it. And, and so the, the, the more rigid roadmap is, the less you actually allow the ecosystem and the protocol to
1: just prosper. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. And thank you, Vitis. Philippe, you may take the last one?
0: Yeah, you take it.
1: Okay. I can answer this one. (laughs) Mango Sr. asks, is it possible to run my own node and stake myself instead of delegating? If possible, do I need to be registered to do so? And the answers are yes and yes. You can create your own node and stake to yourself. And if possible, do you need to be registered? The answer is yes. You self-register. There is no Request permission. This is a permissionless blockchain. You self-register a certificate, you pay for the fee for the certificate, and you become your own stake pool. Pointing to yourself, the drawback is you have to keep that node online 24 and 7. You got to keep it online all the time. You can't just turn it off or you won't get any rewards and it will impact the blockchain. For for most of the people holding ADA, it's going to make more sense to delegate to a
0: stake pool than run your own node. There are, it's While you can do it, um, there are lots of different factors that come into play regarding how much stake you're actually delegating to your own pool, and whether or not you have the proper equipment to run it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There are professional solutions that are going to exist out there, and you know, plugging it into your your home Wi-Fi, you know, it could be spotty. It could be spotty. So if you want to make sure that you Try to guarantee the maximum amount of uptime and maximize the amount of ADA rewards that you get over a given epoch. Delegating to a pool is is great as well. And if you have the experience and the hardware to do it yourself, by all means, go for it. Great answers, guys. Thanks for
1: following up on that. Great answers, (laughs) definitely.
0: Great
1: All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. All right. Thank you to all our Redditors. Uh, Philippe, that's all I have for this. I would like to thank Nathan for coming on the podcast. It was great having you on here. You were able to answer all of those questions. It's fantastic. Uh, I think our viewers are going to be grateful. They're going to learn that Nathan is a warm and friendly guy, you know, not some dark, seedy person in a trench coat in a back alley, and that you're very open. And you're you're fun to talk to, and we've seen you at all these meetups. So thanks for doing that and getting out there and giving these presentations. And thank you for coming on the podcast as well.
2: Thanks, Philip. Thanks, Rick, and, and thanks to the community for everything. And, and it's great to be here. It was really great time, a lot of fun.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I'm going to wrap this up. So this is episode 62 of the Cardano Effect Podcast. We had Nathan Kaiser on, and as uh, the summary of this, we're on the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge, straight from Nathan's mouth. And we really appreciate you coming on. This is our second guest from the Cardano Foundation. We had Niels and Andy on, I don't know, a couple of months yeah, ago now. And Maki and Ben. Uh, and Maki and Ben. We had a team, four people, yeah. Exactly. And but they were just joining the foundation when when we had them on. I mean, they weren't they were probably newer, uh, newer members. So this is really the first time we have uh access to speak with someone um, at the foundation, who's been seasoned and has has a lot to offer to the community. So we really appreciate you giving us the time today and coming on. And I think people will really enjoy this episode. I think this is a you you hit it out the park here. So um, once again, everyone, if you're not subscribed to the Cardano Effect podcast, please consider subscribing. It really helps us out really helps you out. I mean, if you really want the longevity of this ecosystem to continue year after year after year, you have to think that people are going to come year after year after year and they need somewhere to find information in the Cardano effect. We're trying to be that source of information for the community. So without further ado, I'm going to close this episode. We appreciate you, Nathan, and you are welcome on this podcast anytime, whenever you want to come on, whether you have an announcement or you just want to talk to us. We, we would love to have you on again and until the next episode of the Cardano Effect. Bye everyone.
2: Thanks for having me. All the best. Bye-bye.